This sermon is titled Faith and Science Part 2 The 6 Days of Genesis Be enriched as you listen We are doing a series called Faith and Science and uh, I want to encourage you to take this opportunity to invite friends to come uh, to these Sunday services you know we will go on till the first Sunday of October on this series as we address different aspects of faith and science and invite them give them an opportunity to hear uh what the bible has to say and plus how we look at some of these big questions of life last sunday when jean shared with us she uh she addressed the question can science answer it all or explain it all uh and basically what we try to say is that as people of faith we are not afraid of science in fact we can very meaningfully engage with science and for us science is just a discovery into the great creation of god it only makes us more and more amazed and awestruck uh, of how great our god is so science is not a threat to our faith it actually accentuates actually strengthens our faith in how wonderful god is and we also understand the limitations of science we understand so you know science doesn't answer the real big questions of life because as people we are people who seek after meaning we are not just seeking after material things that's part of our life here on earth but we are people who seek for bigger things and we ask these big questions about our origin we ask questions about our identity who are we we ask questions about our purpose why are we here we ask questions about morality how are we supposed to live and we ask questions about our destiny where do we go from here and these big questions of life cannot be answered by science there has to be something more greater and bigger and the other thing that we try to emphasize last sunday was that science is one of the many disciplines that we're all involved in it's not the only discipline for example think about art art is also a very important discipline but art and science you know science like we explained last sunday has a methodology to it there are these steps you follow art creativity it's inspiration an artist can create three different paintings and how those three different paintings came about could be entirely different there is no methodology <laughs> to art to that creative to that inspiration to that creative expression but it's a valid discipline of course people try to study the creative process in order to try to understand it and teach it but really there is so much of our inspiration you cannot put in a formula but it's a very valid discipline now we don't discard art just because it doesn't fit into the scientific process we embrace it and we understand it is a very important part of our life here on earth and so science is only one of the many disciplines we've got commerce business we've got so many other things under humanity so many other disciplines and all of these things are very valid disciplines in in life and and so the point we're making is science doesn't answer everything and science is important but there's much more to our existence than what science can tell us today i want to talk about 
you know, we, like we mentioned, we all have this question about origin. Where did all this begin? Where did we come from? And, uh, and so today, we are going to look at what the Bible says is the origin to this universe. We call it cosmology and to life on earth. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about evolutionary cosmology, which is Big Bang, one of the theories for evolutionary cosmology, which is a scientific attempt to say how this universe began. And we're going to try to look at it uh, and, and, and question that as well. And then on the 25th, we'll talk about the existence of God, creator God. What is the evidence? Very ob objectively, if you look at it, what is the evidence of a creator God? And then the last message in this series, which is on uh, the 2nd of October, we'll talk about evolutionary biology. What is that, that attempt to explain the origin of life? But today I want you to listen to what the Bible gives us about the origin of life. Where did we come from? And it is so amazing because... The Bible, or at least when you look at the first five books of the Bible, they were written around 1600 B.C., given by inspiration through a man named Moses. And by this time, going by the chronology of the Bible, um, time had elapsed, and there were other cultures or civilizations, most notably the Mesopotamian civilization that was around the Middle East, uh, today we will relate that to the Assyrian or the Babylonian civilizations, subsequently the Egyptian civilization, around 3000 BC, 4000 BC, around that time. Now, in these civilizations or in these cultures, if you look at their writings or their literature, what is available, we refer to all of that as mythology. Because in their writings, there's a lot about gods and goddesses and demons and spirits fighting with each other, and then planets coming out of the dead bodies of these gods and goddesses. And, and we know that these are just conjectures. They're just things that people have made up in their minds. They're just mythology. That's what it is. And yet, about the same time, You've got this book of the Bible called Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, the first two chapters of, the, of this book, Genesis, that begins to unveil the beginning of life, beginning of this universe, and it is so much in contrast to the mythology of those days and those times. Here is a book that opens in such a magnificent way, introducing us to a creator God and in, in telling us this is how the universe, the earth, and all that you see came into existence. And so we stand amazed that at the same period of time when others are writing mythology and conjectures and all these you know, we, we, we look at it and we say, oh, we know those are just man-made stories. Around the same time, somebody is writing a text that so powerfully, so majestically unveils to us the beginning of this universe and the beginning of 
of a life here on earth. And so, uh, this book, the Bible, claims that it was given by inspiration of God, that God revealed it to man. And of course, man wrote it in the language of their day and time uh, using the literary uh, skills or the literary rules of their day and time. And so, we understand there's a human side to it because man wrote it, but we also understand there's a divine side to it because God inspired it. Because there is no other way that some person sitting and writing text would write something so majestic while all around him there are mythologies being written and conjectures being made. And here comes somebody who says, I've got something inspired by God. So I want us to read Genesis chapter 1. Many of us would be very familiar with this. And then I want us to delve into it and, and just see how powerful Genesis chapter 1 is in unveiling to us the origin of this universe and origin of life here on earth. The word Genesis simply means origin or beginnings. And please bear with me as I read this entire chapter. And I would love to read Genesis chapters 1 and 2 because they are descriptive of the first six days of creation. But I will just read chapter 1. Are you all with me so far? Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. Then God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and so it was. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed in its, is, in, is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let there be for lights in the firmament, of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created 
great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said let the earth bring forth living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and and beast of the earth according to its kind and it was so. God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to every living thing that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. I'll read one verse from chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. What I want to do is just give us a quick overview of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2, and highlight some of these things and also point to certain scientific things that we find in these two chapters. Now, just some thoughts to keep in mind. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is not a, a piece of science text. This is not a scientist telling, you know, hey, this is how everything happened. And yet it is so interesting. And remember, this was written, we said, 1600 BC, uh, given to a man named Moses. He's writing it down. And yet there is so much of truth there that we, that we want to, uh, that we can see and highlight. It, the, the text starts with these words, in the beginning, God. So here's something science and Bible agree on. There was a beginning. Science agrees there is a beginning. And next Sunday we'll talk about that. They talk about a point of singularity. That that one instant back in time, probably 14 billion years ago, science says, that gave rise to this universe. And we will look at next Sunday what they say about how that whole thing happened. The Bible also says in the beginning. But the beginning the Bible talks about is very different. In the beginning, God. God was in the beginning. He was before the beginning. He was bigger than the beginning. He was outside the beginning. The beginning happened because of God. Amen? But the beginning is not bigger than God. God is still bigger than the beginning. Amen? 
in the beginning, God. He is a reason for the beginning. He'll talk more about this on the 25th. In this chapter, chapter Genesis chapter 1, we see three action verbs attributed to God on what he did on those first six days of creation. God created, God made, and God formed. As creator, he brought something into existence out of nothing. In making, he put things into what he had created. He rearranged, he organized, he placed things, he made. And in fashioning, being the fashioner, it, he formed man from the dust of the earth. He fashioned man from the dust of the earth. This speaks so much about who God is. God is creator. He brings something in out of nothing. He is maker. That means he is the organizer. He places things where they should be. He is also the fashioner, the one who personally touches, sculpts, forms, and shapes uh, his own creation. God has not ceased being creator, maker, and fashioner. And he is creator, maker, and fashioner in your life. Amen? He is creator in your life. He is maker in your life. And he is the fashioner in your life. Today, what does not exist, he can bring it into being in your life. He is the maker. He can still organize and rearrange and put things in place. And he's a fashioner. He can still shape and form and reshape and reform whatever needs to be reshaped and reformed in your life and mine. Another important thing we see in Genesis chapter 1 is a creative act of God. How God went about creating whatever he did. Over and over again in Genesis chapter 1 it says, and God said. The Bible is very clear. This is how God brought everything into existence. He just spoke words. The words that God released carried in it the energy or the power. It carried in it all of the design. So God's word carries power and it carries design. And when he speaks, energy and design or intelligence comes together and brings things into existence. Amen? And that's why the Bible says, by the word of the Lord, this is Psalm 33, verse 6 and 9. By the word of the Lord, by the heavens made by the breath of his mouth all their lights. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood firm. He just spoke and there was enough energy to bring everything into existence. And it was so powerful and yet it was so intelligent. The very design for everything came into being. That's the power of the word of God. And the book of Hebrews teaches us that God's word is alive and full of power. That this whole universe is being upheld by the power of his word. And through faith we understand that the things which are seen came out of what is not seen. That is his word. So God spoke and it was done. So God's word was a source of that power and it was a source of that design. God spoke his design into Existence And the word of God created both the inorganic and the organic into existence. Both non-life and life came into being as God spoke. One of the big hurdles science has never been able to cross is, how did 
life come out of non-life? How did materiality give birth to organic life? How did materiality give birth to morality? How did materiality give birth to rationality? There is that jump is too big of a leap. But the Bible tells us, by the word of the Lord, the heavens made. His word is alive and full of power. That's where this life came. For both the, uh, whether it's the inorganic, non-material life, or non-material things, and the organic life came from His Word. The other thing we see in Genesis 1, I'm just quickly highlighting a few things here before we get into each day, is that God divided and God called. He divided light and darkness. He divided day and night. And He assigned. He said, this is the way it's going to be. He divided the sea and the land. And He said, this is the land. This is the sea. This is the way it's going to be. So He assigned what He wanted in His, uh, in his creation or on the earth. And lastly, God blessed them. We see in this chapter that God blessed living creatures to multiply. God blessed man to multiply, to be fruitful. And he also made him a steward of the earth and gave him dominion over the earth. The blessing of God set a repetitive, creative, recurring process in place. And we will come to that. So look, let's look at each day very quickly. Day one, in the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth. So the first thing God did was to create this vast expanse of this universe, the heavens. Scientists tell us it's about, you know, 14 billion light years away, whatever, you know, the distance. And it's an expanding universe, huge, continuously growing and expanding. He created the heavens, and then he created the earth. It is quite possible, although it doesn't tell us here, that when God created the heavens, He probably created other planetary bodies like the earth. It's possible that it happened on day one. And then God said, let there be light. Now, very interesting. He hadn't created the stars yet. The stars are going to be created on day three. And yet God says, let there be light. And light came. Where did the light come from? So one of the things in the Bible is if you want to understand one part of the Bible, you look in the other parts of the Bible. And very interesting, if you look in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, in the new heavens and the new earth that God is going to create, the Bible says that God himself will be the light of the planet. There won't be a sun and there won't be a moon. So here we have in Genesis chapter 1, on day 1, a preview or what is going to be there in the new heavens and the new earth. God himself will be the light of this planet. So it's no big thing that in Genesis chapter 1, when God said, let there be light, there was light, he was the source of that light. Are you with me? So it's not a problem for me to say that there was light before the sun. It talks about God. In fact, there's going to be an eternity where there will be light without the sun. Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Very simple. 
And so when God said, let there be light, there was light. And then he set the earth spinning on its axis. Genesis chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And the earth started revolving at the axis. Now, you and you and I think, well, you know, it takes 24 hours to go around one full circle. But you don't understand something. You don't understand that right now you are traveling at 1,000 miles per hour sitting on this planet. What do you mean? Have you sat in a car that's going at 100 kilometers an hour? You're like, well, pretty fast. 120, way above speed limit. You are right now sitting on an object called planet Earth that is spinning at the circumference at the equator, the speed at the equator, of 1,000 miles per hour. That's the speed at which this planet is traveling. Right? And, and so, you know, this, 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 this surface speed here is 1,000 miles per hour. It's rotating. And at that speed, it makes one full circle in 24 hours. And so God divided part of it, half, your light, you're getting light, that's your day. The other part that's not getting light, that's your night. He divided day and night. Are you with me so far? So he set this in, in place. And that formed the basis for our day and night. So on day one, there was space, heavens. There was time that was brought into existence. Time came, as we understand it, came into being on day one. So God created space. He created matter, the earth. And he created time on day one. Are you with me? Now, God dwells outside of space, time, and matter. He created it. Space, time, and matter don't contain him, he contains them. Amen? That's why God, talking about God, the Bible says that all space is enveloped by him. In order to tell you and me how big he is, he says, look, I measure the heavens with a span. I'm outside of all of this. I can measure this whole thing with a span. He's outside of this vast expanse of universe that he created. And in Isaiah, he says, he stretches the heavens like a curtain. This vast expanse? Yeah, I'm just opening up a curtain. That's how big God is. He's outside of space. He's outside of matter. And he puts it like this. He says, you know, I'm sitting above the circle of the earth. And I'm sitting outside and watching. He's outside of matter. He's outside of time. He says, I am Alpha and Omega. I am at the start of time and at the end of time. I'm already there. You're going through. I'm already at the other end. He's outside of time. He is the great I am. In him is the eternal now. So all of beginning, all of end is there. Are you understanding? 
He created space, matter, and time. So he's outside of this, looking in. This is God. Now, another important thing on day one is God set what a day is. It's a 24-hour period, the earth revolving day and night. And that's why we take all the other days mentioned in Genesis chapter 1 as a 24-hour day period. Now, I do want to very respectfully state that there are other people who have tried to explain Genesis chapter 1 in other ways. In fact, you know, in my study, uh, I think there were about six or seven different ways people try to explain this. And one of the attempts in all of those attempts is they're trying to stretch a day into millions of years or introduce millions of years somewhere in between, either before the start of day one or in between the days and all of that. You know, very respectful people. But for me, I say it's defined right here in Genesis chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 what a day is. And so when we are interpreting Scripture, there are certain rules that we follow uh, when we interpret Scripture. What is literal, we take as literal. What is metaphorical, we take as metaphorical. What is poetry, we take as poetry. But otherwise, if it's not poetry, if it's not metaphorical, leave it literal. Are you with me? And so my position, or our position, if you want to join me, uh, is that this 24-hour period is a literal 24-hour period. Think about the context of the person who was writing it, Moses. God was speaking his language. What did Moses understand? Moses was not thinking in millions of years. He was thinking of a 24-hour period. And so every one of these days is a 24-hour period. While I understand there are several views that people have put out to explain otherwise, I choose to differ from that. So on day two, what does God do? He creates the firmament, that is, the heavens above the earth. And the Bible just says he separates waters above from waters beneath. Now, we don't know exactly what that atmospheric heaven around us looked like. Perhaps it was like the clouds that we understand as of today. Perhaps that was what the waters above represented. Maybe there was a thicker layer of water around the earth. We don't know. But I believe God just put in that 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 water cycle, that whole system that would eventually take place. At that time, it wasn't raining. The Bible just says a mist went up from the earth and watered the earth. But God was setting things up in which he was going to fill. So he created on day two a water layer around the earth, which we understand today are clouds and things that give birth to the water cycle and so on. The firmament above. Day three, God separates the land from the sea. And then he says, let the land bring forth vegetation. So the first thing, that first kind of life is vegetative life that begins to spring forth on the earth. And very interesting, when God says, let the earth bring forth herbs and trees and so on, a very interesting statement which Moses had no clue about. He said here in Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he said, everything according to its kind. Everything according to its kind. Today, when you and I study molecular biology, 
We get down to that smallest piece called the DNA. It's this double helix made of a sugar and phosphate ladder with a lot of the rungs of the ladder called the bases. Essentially, just four uh, bases that, that mark for this. The DNA in a single yeast cell, a bacteria, a plant cell, an animal cell, and a human cell is all the same. The structure of the DNA. And yet, the sequence in which these bases are arranged uniquely identify every species. The mastermind of God. When he said, everything after its own kind, I believe the structure called DNA came into existence. Are you with me? That's why every plant is unique. Animals, you've got so many species, they're all after their own kind. People, everything after its own kind. Now, there is adaptation within the species. But you never see one jump into the other. Hello? (laughs) You never see that happen. Because everything is after its own kind. And so right here on day three, God created this. He put this in place. I believe the design of the DNA happened right there. And as he created this vegetation, he also created a garden called Eden. So he chose a little piece of land. He said, In this, there was a beautiful little garden. He he created Genesis chapter 2, describes it. The Garden of Eden. There was four rivers flowing through it. And he got that ready. Day three. Day four. Are you all with me so far? Day four. God said, okay, now we're going to fill this vast expanse. He was the source of that light. Now he was going to encapsulate those light in what we know as stars. So God said, Let there be lights. And the stars came into existence. Not one or two. Not even a few million. Scientists tell us, based on what we know today, there are a trillion galaxies, 10 raised to the power of 12. Galaxies. Ours is only one. The solar system is part of a galaxy, the Milky Way. But like the Milky Way, there are a trillion galaxies. And if you want to estimate the number of stars, scientists say it's about a septillion stars, 10 raised to 24. Take time. That's how many stars are there. And there are new stars being born. So the number keeps growing. Let there be lights. It's never stopped. Amen. And, and so these stars have came into being. And, and you know, just think about how, how amazing this is. This earth was rotating on its axis. God created the sun. The sun is about 150 million kilometers away from the earth. The sun is so big, we can fit one million earths in the sun. 
And he said, okay, earth, go round and round. The earth started revolving around the sun. And one revolution around the sun gives us one calendar year. So God said, I'm setting these stars for times and seasons. For, for people to understand clock or time. And so these stars are put in place. And the earth had its own clock system, so to speak. One revolution around the sun is one year on the earth. God put that in place. And light began to emanate this time from the stars he created. Before there was there were the stars, light came from God. Now you have something that's emanating from the sun. It takes about eight, a little over eight minutes for light from the sun to reach the earth. But the earth is so positioned around the sun that life on earth can happen. And then the earth is now traveling around the sun at about 67,000 miles per hour. So what is the speed at which the earth is going? It's like 67,000 miles per hour. It's traveling. It's in a big hurry. So not only is the earth ro ro rotating on its axis at 1,000 miles per hour, it's also circling in an orbit 67,000 miles an hour. And if that's not enough, our entire solar system is also spinning in our galaxy at about 490,000 miles per hour. The whole solar system is also spinning. It's also rotating or revolving at the speed. And so with all of this, you've got a lot of other things that come, came into existence. The gravitational pull of all the sun, the other planetary bodies, keeping everything in space. Earth's own magnetic field because of its own rotation and the way God designed the earth. All of that came into place. Day four. Today, as a scientist study this amazing universe, they figure out there are so many constants out there. How did it all come into place? It was so, it's so precise. Light travels at this speed all the time. The earth is rotating and it's at this distance from the sun and, uh, and, and it's giving us life and all these things that are these constants and there are these, these things in this universe that are so precise. How did it all come into existence? Are you with me? Those of you who got lost in space. Day five, God brings forth sea creatures. He says, let the sea bring forth creatures. And the dinosaurs were formed. Big, big creatures were formed. All kinds of creatures were formed. Because we know many of them have gone extinct now. We only get to see their fossils. But all kinds of creatures were formed. And then birds of the air came into being. That's on day five. And then, day six, God created cattle. He created animals, placed them on the earth. And then, 
he formed on day six, man and woman. And Genesis chapter two explains how God did it. God said, I'm going to make man in my own image, male and female. And so Genesis two explains that after he created the animals on day six, he got onto the earth and he shaped and formed man out of the dust of the earth. Animal plant life came out of the ground. So did animal life came out of the ground. Man was formed out of the ground. There's something different God did. God breathed into him. He didn't do that for any of the other creatures. And so man became a living being. And then the Bible says that after he formed man, he put him in that garden, that beautiful garden he had created. He said, I want you to take care of this garden and I want you to take care of this whole uh, place. And then he brought all the animals and the birds. So how did God do it? Well, it just shows us how powerful the human mind was. It doesn't mean that all these animals lined up before Adam. But Adam's mind could envision and see all of what God had done. And God said, Adam, I want you to assign names to all of these things. It shows us the power of the mind, the brain that God created. And today we are still trying to understand how powerful it is. But when you go back in Genesis on day 6, the process of what was scientifically known as taxonomy, that is giving names and classifying animals and birds, was assigned to Adam. God said, Adam, you do it. Give them the names you want. Classify it. You do it. And Adam was ready. His mind was ready. Such, the, such was the power of the mind that God had created. And today we are only scratching a very small percentage of what our mind is actually capable of doing. And yet in all of that, Adam felt, God saw that Adam was very lonely. And so it's okay, time to make the female part. Put him to sleep, took out a rib, formed Eve. And all this on day six. And he brought Eve to Adam. Adam, Adam rejoiced. He said, now this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And the Bible says, God blessed them, both Adam and Eve, on day six. And he said, I'm giving you, of course, be fruitful and multiply, but I'm putting you in charge of the earth. I'm giving you dominion over everything I've created. I'm giving you dominion, and I'm making you a steward of all of these things. Before we wrap up, I want to highlight a few things here. First of all, all creation is an expression of God's omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. All of creation is telling us of this omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient creator. Number one, the divine attributes of God are embodied are embedded in everything God created, made, and fashioned. This is what the Bible is saying in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, that is, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse. God's invisible attributes. His powers, His omnipotence, His omnipresence, His omniscience, is seen in every one of his creation. 
God's fingerprints are everywhere. Amen? Everywhere. You look at the green grass, you see the fingerprint of God. You look at a flower, you look at a little insect, you look at an animal, you look at the stars, you see the fingerprints of God. The invisible attributes of God are revealed in His creation. So the Bible says, we are without excuse. Secondly, I want to emphasize here that time, power, and design were brought together in everything God created, made, and fashioned. Time, power, or energy, design, or intelligence were brought together when God created. So in the creative act of God, all of this came together. So, I have no problem if somebody says, well, this earth is four billion years old. So, that's what you say. This universe is 14 billion years. Because it, according to our scientific models, and our mathematical models, that's how much time we would have needed for something like this to have come into existence. But for God, He needed a second. Are you with me? So, I have no problems. You can quote whatever number you want, however big, but my God is bigger. So, He compresses time in an instant. So I'm not intimidated when some scientist tries to arrive at some sort of a mathematical formula trying to say the earth is so many, so many billion years old and I've done all this calculation. I've put in all of these fudge factors and numbers and I'm saying this number, say whatever you want. God created in six days. And he compressed time. How much of our time? He compressed it in an instant. Take, for example, the moment God formed Adam. And he brought him to you and he said, hello, can you guess his age? And you say, let me see. Uh, he looks 40 years old. God says he's not even 40 seconds. Let me do the DNA test on him. <laughs> Go for it. I just created him from the dust of the earth. So everything God created, he created in an advanced stage. He was not dependent on a time evolutionary process because he's outside of time. Think about another simple miracle. This is what happens in a miracle. In a miracle, God repeats a creative act. He compresses time, design, and uh, uh, energy. He compresses it. Think about when Jesus turned water to wine in the wedding of Canaan. He said, fill the water pots with water. So they filled it with water. And he said, take it out. And the person who drank it, he said, wow, this is amazing. What happened? The very chemical nature of what was in that container was changed. H2O became everything that 
Suddenly, the whole chemical nature of it was changed. Wine was there. Now, how long did it take? Now, if you think about the natural process, if they had to go and to go through the whole natural process of filling six water pots with wine, and if you want to start from the very beginning, the starting of a wine plant or tree, you know, spend a long time. But it happened in an instant. What am I saying? That in the miracle of God, time, design, matters all compressed. You don't, he doesn't play by the rules he created. Are you listening? And so in the creative act of God, all of these things were compressed. So what may have taken years and years, God put it all together. And this leap of faith is much simpler than the hypothesis that science presents to you and me. We'll look at it next Sunday. It's much simpler to believe in God who does it again and again than to think that to some mathematical model which we still aren't sure we can explain by using billions of years how everything came into existence. Number three, God set recurring systems and processes in place. So he put these processes in place, the biological processes, the expanding universe, and, and these things just continue on today as we know it. I just want to contrast, worship team, please come. Creation and evolutionary processes. So what we saw in Genesis, earth came first, stars came later. Plants came first, then came the stars. Sea creatures, birds, land animals, and man. The Bible sequence. But science sequence is very different. Evolutionary biology. Stars came first. Earth came later. Stars came first. Then came the plants. And then came the sea creatures. And then the land animals. The birds. And then came man. The sequence is very different. I'll stay with what the Bible says. God created everything. Amen. And this is how we did it. We will address both the Big Bang cosmology next Sunday and evolutionary biology on October 2nd. In closing, I want to just talk about how wonderful you are. Some bacteria or some yeast didn't grow up into you. The Bible says that God formed you in his own image. God formed you in his own image. The imprint of God is on you, as we heard at the very beginning of the worship time. His fingerprint is on you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. There are things about you that nobody can explain. You know, you and I have the same brain. But yet, there's something unique about you. There's something very different about me and there's something very different about the other person. 
but our brains physically same. There's something very unique, the way you've been designed. Secondly, I want you to know that God put something eternal in you that doesn't exist in any of his other creatures. God breathed into man. God breathed into you. There's something eternal in you. That's why you and I ask the big questions of life. Where did I come from? Who am I? Why am I here? How am I supposed to live and where am I going? We ask those big questions. Because there's something eternal in us. And you and I are so designed, last point. God designed you natural and spiritual. We are natural. We live in this body. Uh, We have things that we do in the natural. But we also have an eternal part of us, spiritual, that we need to attend to, to care for. You are a natural being. You can think, you can reason, you can enjoy the creation of God, but you're also a spiritual being. You can believe, you can worship, you can love God. God has created you for that. So in as much as you and I engage with the natural world, intellectually, you and I must also make it a point to engage with God, our creator, spiritually. Amen. Before we close, I want to give an invitation for all of us, especially for those of us Maybe you came here because you were invited by a friend or maybe you saw an advertisement somewhere and you said, okay, I'm going to go to this place. They're talking about faith and science and let me listen to something. The most important thing I want to impress on your heart today is that God created you. God created you. And he created you natural and spiritual. And spiritually, He wants you to know Him. He wants you to be a part of His family. He wants you to live as a son and as a daughter of God. He wants that for you. And that's possible through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, you know, we are sinners. We've done wrong things. We've distanced ourselves away from God. But God sent Jesus who paid for our sins when he died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, taken out of the way, and we could be brought into the family of God so that you and I can be sons and daughters of God, that we can know God personally. This great, magnificent, infinite God. Words are not even enough to try to capture how great he is that he would become your father and you would be his son and daughter and as you walk through this planet which he created you'd walk as a son and a daughter of God knowing that God's hand is on your life and that is the source of our answers to these big questions he helps you and me understand that he 
designed us and He has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. He has a mission for us here on earth. It all begins as you come to become His son and daughter. And what do you and I need to do? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says He gives us the power to become the children of God. So if there's anyone here this morning and you've never prayed in your heart to believe in Jesus, or maybe you're watching online and you've never prayed in your heart and said, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to know you. I want to be a child of God. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to come into God's family. If you've never prayed that, if you've never done that before, I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. And if you feel in your heart that you want to do it, just pray that prayer with me. Let's bow our heads, please. If you've never done this before in your life, you feel in your heart that you want to receive Jesus into your life and have Him forgive your sins and make you a child of God. If you've never done this before, please pray this with me if you'd like to. And just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Make me a child of God. And help me to follow you the rest of my life. Help me to know you day by day. I make this decision today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody here in this auditorium, you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. You want to celebrate with you, just raise your hand. Just remain seated. Just raise your hand. If you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time, let me see your hand, please. Anyone here? You want to see your hand. If you prayed this prayer with me, the very first time. We want to celebrate with you. Just wave your hands. I can see it. Anybody else? Anyone? 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 Anybody raise your hands in the back? Do we have one person there? Okay. God bless. Anybody else? We don't want to miss anybody. All right. So if you prayed this prayer with me for the first time, give your heart to Jesus. We have a special gift for you. We call it a believer's bag, a few resources to give you, to help you grow in your knowledge and knowing Jesus and grow in your faith. So please make sure you collect that bag. Our our greeters are there at the exits. Just tell them, I pray that prayer. I want that free bag. Uh, Just take it from them. They'll make you write write your name and number on on a piece of card so that we can call you and let you know how to use those free resources the back. So don't miss out on that. Please take it with you before you leave this place. All right. We're going to stand up. We're going to take a few moments just to uh, worship God. Then I want to pray. I just want to pray for us here. Remember, God is creator. God is maker. God is the fashioner. Let's say this together. God is the creator. God is the maker. God is the fashioner. He didn't quit creating. He didn't stop it. He didn't stop making. He didn't stop fashioning. He's still doing it. And so whatever in your life you need God to create, say, God, it doesn't, it's not there. Can you bring it into being? He'll do it. 
What do you need to make, arrange, reorder, fill, reorganize? He'll do it. Whatever he need to refashion. Say, God, change my life. Refashion me. I messed up. I did things I shouldn't do. Put me in the right place. Set me on track. He'll do it. So take this time to pray, please. As, as the worship team leads us, take this time to pray and say, God, you're creator. God, you're maker. God, you're the fashioner. Work in me, God. Do something beautiful in me. And let my life bring glory to your name. Take this time, please, worship team. You're here. You're the provider. All I've ever needed, Jesus, you supply. You're here, the wonder-working power. And everything you breathe on is coming back to life. Let's sing, you're here. You're the provider And all I've ever needed Jesus, you supply You're here With wonder-working power And everything you breathe on Is coming back to life At the mention of your name, every chain will break. I know everything will change. Jesus, just a whisper of your name. The silence, wind, and rain. At the mention of your name. Strength, you are my anchor, and you never fail. You are my hope, you will deliver. Emmanuel, you are my strength, you are my anchor, you never fail.
Thank you. Thank you. Take a moment to pray right now. Father, we just pray together as, as your people. You are so great. You are so powerful. Lord, you created everything. You are so powerful. Lord, today as we stand here, as people are watching online, there could be those who have very personal needs in their lives. People who need healing in their bodies. People who need healing in their minds. People who need intervention in life situations, Father. And so, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, because you are a good God, because you're such a powerful God, because you're such a faithful God, we ask that you release miracles. We ask that you release healings in the bodies of people. We ask that you release healings, Lord, for the minds of people. The people be delivered right now, this instant, in the mighty name of Jesus, from every demonic oppression. In Jesus' name, I declare those oppressive works of the mind broken. I declare oppressive works of sickness and disease broken. In the name of Jesus, let there be healing, Father. Let people experience release right now. And Father, we pray for those who have various needs in their life situations. God provide. Those who need good jobs, bless them with good jobs this week, God. Intervene in their situations this week. Provide it for them. Let them know that the God of heaven heard and answered their prayer. Because you're a heavenly father. You know that we have need of these things. You promise that if we seek first the kingdom and your righteousness, all these things will be added into our lives. Father, watch over your people. Bless them coming in. Bless them going out. Let the favor of God surround them. Let the hand of God's protection be always on them. Let the goodness of God lift them up. And we thank you, O God. We bless your name. Let people experience supernatural peace. Let situations that were so much in, in so much pain and confusion be turned around so that there is peace and joy and rejoicing because you're the God who does it. God, you turned the bitter waters of Marah and you made them sweet. So turn on these situations and families and homes and make them sweet, God. Wipe away the tears because you said you will turn our mourning into dancing, God. Give reason for people to be joyful and rejoice and be happy because you, O oh God, wipe away the tears of the eyes of your people. Do this, Father. Let hope arise. For those who have given up hope, let hope arise. Let the sense of a new day dawning come upon them because you're the God who breaks through our darkness and you're the God who gives new gives us new beginnings, new mornings. Do this for your people. We thank you, Father. We bless you, God. We honor you. We thank you, God. And I'm just speaking even right now for people who uh, uh, contracts have been withdrawn, but it will come back to you. So contracts that have been withdrawn come back to you. And you say, God, I received that. I receive that, God. Contracts that have been withdrawn are going to be 
given back, are going to be offered back, returned. Because God changes things. God changes things. So be it, God. I thank you that you do this for your people. We thank you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we do the benediction, just one thing. Please remember for next Sunday, check our church website uh, to find out where we are going to meet uh, before you head out, right? We're still going to work out our venue. We are looking at various venues. So um, just check the web website. We will send an email and, and, and a WhatsApp message as soon as that's finalized. But I just request you, just check the website before you head out Sunday morning. Okay? Let's do the benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.